Welcome to the AgBiz Cast, where we share inspiring stories of young, beginning, and small farmers. Listen to hear from our AgBiz Masters graduates about their farming operations and advice for those looking to start their own business. My name is Iris Peters, and with me today is Keith Olinger, owner and operator of his family farm and AgBiz Masters graduate. Keith, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So, Keith, can you tell us about your operation, just some history and how you got started with it? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, my family's been in Pennsylvania. We arrived in Philadelphia in 1741, and they set up uh, farming in Berks County, Pennsylvania. And so, we're in my family. We live in Maryland now, but I jokingly say that I'm the first export uh, from Pennsylvania. And um, we uh, traditionally, we were a dairy uh, farmers. Um, and then my, my grandfather, you know, there was a series of tragic sort of accidents. He had, uh, he, the, the fuel company, they brought fuel to the farm the one day and, uh, he must've got some gasoline on his hands and he wiped it on his bib overalls. And when he went to start the tractor, a spark from the exhaust lit him on fire. Um, and he was, he was burned very badly back in 1957 and, that was in May. And then he spent uh, till Halloween, he actually was released from the hospital. Um, but him and, uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't able to really function for the next two years. So my grandmother and the four boys, my dad was the second oldest. Uh, they pretty much ran the farm. Well, then in April of that year, uh, the barn caught fire and the, they were able to get all the cows out of the barn. But when, you know, cows are creatures of habit and when the fire truck came, the sirens scared the cows and they ran back into the barn. So they lost, they lost half the cows in the fire. And then when they, they, there was a pole barn that they pressed back into service to use as their milking area. And when they brought, they, they used the insurance money, what little they got to buy more cows. And unfortunately, some of those cows came in, had brucellosis. And so what ended up happening, the the calves, the cows were calving early, the state quarantined the farm. And so they ran into really hard financial times, you know, because um, they couldn't sell me milk out or anything until it got cleared up. So they, they survived five years. And by 61, they, uh, they were going to get sheriff sale and the bank made an agreement with them that if they did a quick sale, they wouldn't, they wouldn't sheriff sale. So that was the end of the family farm in our area. So by the time I was born in 1969, um, all my family was still working on farms. My dad had been a dairy herdsman for two dairy farms, and my uncles were working with the Agway and um, what used to be the Berks County Co-op. And my grandfather was working as a uh, as a buyer for cows for other farms. He would go and and look at the herds around the country and and see what kind of cows they could get. Um, and so by the time I came on, everybody was still involved in it, but we didn't have a family farm. So as I grew up. I worked on all my friends' farms and I loved it. I, I love being outdoors. I love, you know, the animals and, you know, just the work itself. Uh, but it was the eighties. And so we had the big dairy buyout, farm aid and all the financial collapse of a lot of the farms up in, up in Berks County. We lost, I think from 43 to 87, when I graduated high school, I think we had lost 45% of our farms in the County. Um, and so, but I loved it and I wanted to, go into it but my whole family said you know don't do it you'll you know there's no money in it that kind of thing 
uh, but I really loved it. And so my whole life, I worked to try and get enough money together to buy a farm. And I met my wife uh, at the end of college and um, she was from Minnesota. And I, I told her, I said, you know, I, two things about me. I'm, I'm probably going to go bald as I get older. I said, and I want a farm. I said, is that all right with you? And she's like, that's fine. My father's bald, she said, and, and he was, a, he was a farmer. So, uh, so that, that worked out fine. And so in, uh, in 2009, we had got together enough money to purchase our first place. Um, it was in the agriculture reserve of Montgomery County, Maryland. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't realize it, but the, the neighbors in the surrounding area did not want a functioning farm in their area. And they really fought us on it and made it pretty miserable. And so eventually we said to heck with them and we moved out of there and we moved about nine miles away into Howard County, Maryland. Uh, we purchased an ag preserve farm and uh, that's where we've been ever since we bought this place in, in 2012. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience up here. We got supportive neighbors and, you know, the county, the county does a pretty good job with it. Um, so we raise, we do what's called regenerative agriculture. Um, that's the buzzword for it now, but um, we're not organic certified, but we do use a lot of organic practices. We do what's called a silver pasture. We plant rows of trees and then we graze the forage in between. So we have a lot of heritage breed animals. We have Irish Dexter cattle. We have hog island sheep. Uh, we had Gloucester old spot hogs. We have several different types of poultry. We have chickens and ducks and geese, and then we have rabbits, and then we have honeybees. We have a small orchard, but we don't use it for production. Um, we use that for the family. Um, and then we, uh, we have a lot of um, American chestnut trees that we planted. I'm a member of the American Chestnut Foundation. We're trying to repopulate the range that was destroyed by the chestnut blight back in the early 1900s. We'd like to, to get that area back uh, up and running across the United States like it had been. Um, we're in a in a hickory chest or oak chestnut biome, um, but obviously with the chestnuts being being gone, you know it's primarily oak and hickory here where we are. So I do a lot of work. Um, prior to the pandemic, I was involved in 22 different organizations. I've scaled that back the pandemic, um, but I'm I'm a supervisor on our our local soil conservation district. I was the vice chairman of the Maryland. Ag Commission, and I've done a, a lot with Farm Bureau and, and other organizations. So, well, thank you for sharing that. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, why do you enjoy farming, and what inspires you to stay in the business? Well, I, as I said, I, I, I grew up just loving the outdoors. I love the animals. I love the trees and the plants, and and watching things grow. Um, it's, it's just one of the great joys of my life, just sitting out there with the animals, watching them graze and, and uh, you know, just interacting with them. Um, you know, the, the, what, what keeps me going, you know, I, I like to support the community. I like to help, help feed people. You know, last year we did a lot of work with the food banks uh, when, when the pandemic hit and a lot of the grocery stores pulled back on their donations to the food banks, a lot of the food banks were hurting. And yet at the same time with the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs and suddenly there was a high demand. And so we did a, we did a large amount of business with the food banks last year. And so it was really, you know, really warmed my heart to know that we were, we were helping folks out that really needed it. Um, in addition to our regular customers, you know, so, um, so that was really nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so what was the biggest challenge in starting your farm? 
I would say the biggest challenge uh, was it wasn't so much the financial aspect. I mean, obviously you had to get enough money together to be able to afford a farm. So since we didn't, there wasn't anything to inherit and we had to start from scratch, that was, that was a challenge. Um, trying to find people that could help me with the type of farming that we were trying to do was a little bit of a challenge because, you know, they're experts in different categories. Um, you know, just, just as an example, we were trying to use native wildflowers and grasses in our grazing. And the, the forage experts could tell you anything you wanted to know about the traditional forages, you know, orchard grass or, you know, alfalfa, but they didn't know anything about wildflowers. And the wildflower experts at, you know, Extension and the university, they could tell you anything you want to know about the wildflowers, but they knew nothing about grazing and animals and livestock and what the forage qualities of, you know, black-eyed Susans were, they, you know, and so you, you ended up with, you had these gaps that you had to kind of piece together um, the information. So that was a challenge, but I would say probably the hardest piece for me, you know, where I grew up in Pennsylvania and with, with the, the folks that surrounded me, everybody was either, they had retired from farming and they were living in the small town that we were in, or, you know, they were actively farming or they had family that was farming. And so everybody was really supportive of farmers and pro farming. When we moved down here and we ran into the problem that the neighbors found out we were farming and they immediately thought that we were going to destroy their, their property values. And it was going to be noise and odors and, you know, they just had a terrible view of farming. And I had never encountered that in my life. That was not how I was raised. That was a, that was a complete blindside to me that, that I wasn't prepared for. So um, that, that was the hardest part I felt um, with having to get in. And that, you know, that, that, that's, that's one that throws people for a loop sometimes because it's not, it's not what you would think would be the normal hard thing about farming, you know, but uh, anyway. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so what has been your favorite memory from the business over the past couple of years? Well, I would have to say two come to mind and they involve my daughters. Um, and so the, the, the first one was my, my youngest daughter, Danielle, Danny. She, you know, as, as, as bedtime would get closer, she'd like to look at ways of, you know, extending her bedtime, not wanting to go to bed, you know, and, and so we do, we do a lot of composting here on the farm, you know, we, we compost our bedding and, you know, the, any feed, you know, that sort of thing. And, and then we take that, we mix it, we make charcoal here on the farm, we mix the charcoal and the compost to make what's called biochar, and it's a very fertile product that you can spread on the fields and it does really good with the microbiology and everything. So anyway, so my my wife just happened to be have my daughter on the changing table that night getting her ready for bed. And Danny looked at her and said, Mommy, let's talk. And Kate, my wife, she was sort of chuckled and she's like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And she said, Danny kind of thought for a minute and she said, 
let's talk about compost. And she knew that if she could get dad talking about compost, she'd be up for another hour, you know? So, so she thought that would work with mom too. So that was, that was a really cute story that, you know, at that young age, she, uh, she was already trying and thinking, well, let's talk about compost. Well, then the other story was with my older daughter, you know, we were having a family conversation like you do. And, my, my wife was explaining how, because my wife, you know, at the time when, when she was coming up, they didn't, they didn't have the farm either. My father-in-law had farmed, but um, they, then he became a school teacher. So anyway, so they didn't have the farm, but my wife was talking about the chores that she had to do when she was a child. And one of them was mowing the grass. And Gabrielle, Gabby, my, my oldest, she, she looked in shock at my wife and said, you didn't have any animals to graze? <laughs> and I was in the background like yes she gets it we don't have to mow that grass we'll graze it <laughs> you know so so those are the two probably you know greatest joys that my my children you know really got it and they understood and they were excited about what we do and they they connected the dots as to why it was important and stuff so um so those are probably two of my favorite those are really cute stories thank you for sharing that <laughs> yeah you mentioned um, your daughters, so now I want to ask, what do you envision for the future of your farm? Well, I, you know, I truly, I want my daughters to feel supported and, and, and live their own life. So while, while farming was my dream, you know, we, as far back as I can trace, you know, Pennsylvania, I'm Pennsylvania Dutch background, as far back as I can trace, we've been farmers. So I certainly wanted to continue that legacy you know it means a lot to me but i don't want my daughters to feel like well if they don't farm then they're not successful in my eyes or i'm i'm disappointed you know this was my dream those are my choices um so i want them to do whatever they want to do but because <clears throat> we we had them when we were a little older uh you know there's a little bit of a, a gap between their nine and thirteen and I'm getting close to retirement age. So how do you, uh, you know, what do we do in the interim until they've made a choice of what they'd like to do? I'd like to keep the land and the equipment and everything and, you know, the livestock available for them. But if, if there's a gap between when I decide to retire and they decide what they want to do, how do we fulfill that? So, you know, I, I'd like to keep farming as long as I possibly can. Uh, but as far as the future, you know, we, we have a sawmill here, we have all the trees, we are a tree farm. So, I mean, there's, there's lumber applications that we can do, you know, there's biochar stuff, there's compost options. We can continue to raise the livestock and sell the meat. You know, we could always switch to, to doing hay. Um, you know, we talked about doing it prior to the pandemic, we were looking at doing a delivery business where we would deliver our meat. And it sounded counterintuitive because a lot of people started a delivery business during the pandemic to service their customers. The challenge was with me being the main operator and, and farm worker, if I was to get sick or die, well, then the farm's going to collapse, you know? So, um, so we made a conscious decision not to do delivery during that time so that I wouldn't have any more exposure than necessary to what we had to do. So we had, we had done all our, um, we had done all our permits and everything to open an on-farm store 
well, obviously with having people indoors and, you know, that sort of thing, we, we, we held off on that. So what we did was we switched to a curbside type situation where the, the folks would call me ahead, let me know what their order was. I'd get it ready. And then we, we did do some, uh, we'd either do PayPal or Venmo um, if they wanted electronic contactless payment or, you know, we could do cash or check, you know, like they had done. So, um, so the future looks pretty consistent with the way I'm trying to do things. Um, but then as far as what the girls are going to want to do, obviously we're not sure there, there is an option obviously of looking for people that are interested in doing the type of farming that we, we do and that may be interested in taking over the operation. Uh, but we're still a few years out from trying to do anything like that. So, Gotcha. Thank you. So you are an Agvis master's graduate. So could you tell our listeners in your own words, what does Agvis master's teach younger beginning farmers like yourself? Well, what was, what was interesting was I have participated in a lot of different programs over the years, uh, you know, small business administration programs. I did a, I did a small business certificate in Montgomery County at the local community college. I've run, I've run a few different businesses throughout my life. And so I had a good business background, but about every two years, I'll do a total rewrite of my business plan, just go through all the stuff, make sure we're, we're current and up to date. And so I, I participated in a program in Maryland called Lead Maryland through the University Extension and the Lead Maryland Foundation that helps uh, prepare agricultural leaders. And uh, one of my friends had graduated from it and said, you know, I really think you'd be a good person to, because of all my background in all the different organizations to, to act as kind of a mentor to some of the younger folks. Not that I was necessarily a young or beginning farmer, but that, you know, I could help share, share knowledge with folks. And one of my classmates, or well, two of them actually, Katie Ward and Jeff Delmatter, they, they both work for Farm Credit. And so Katie, while we were at the program, she said, Keith, you know, I think you might enjoy the Ag Biz Masters program. And it just happened to coincide with when I was going to look at redoing our, our business plan and, and going over our financials anyway. And so it was perfect timing. I applied. You know, I really enjoy the program. I think, I think younger farmers you know, you hear a lot in society about kind of the, the what I want to say, the dreamy part of farming. Oh, you know, farm and you're with, you know, sunsets and fresh air and, you know, all that. And, and it's kind of that romanticized version. But really what drives everything are your numbers and, and the finances of it. Bless you. <laughs> and the finances of everything. And if you don't have your finances, well, all that other stuff doesn't really happen, you know? Um, and so I really think it helps them to, to get their, their mind in the right frame that says, hey, um, these are the numbers I need to make to make all this work. This is what we're trying to do. It is a business. Um, and I think that that helps. And the, the piece that I really, uh, you know, I, I think you're never too old to learn. It's always a, a a learning process that the piece that I really enjoyed, and that was in year two, we just finished year two, uh, was talking about roughly how much time you should be spending with outside endeavors off the farm. You know, I was kind of an overachiever and, you know, was involved in all these different committees and task force and everything else, trying to support my industry and support the people in it, of course, but 
but it was, it was a lot of work. And, um, you know, they talked about the amount of time you should be spending off the farm as well, and then leaving enough for yourself to recuperate. Um, and that was a piece that I really had to have driven home that, you know, it is okay to have some downtime and rest every now and then, you know, so, um, so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that they can learn. Great, thank you. So how did Agbiz Masters help you improve your operation? Well, so as I said, it wasn't that the, the number stuff was anything necessarily new, but by, by looking at how much time I was spending on other things, it helped me to say, you know what, let's, let's pick and choose some things that we really want to focus on. I'm, I'm very strong with soil health and, and water quality. And so I'm, I'm a supervisor on the, on the Soil Conservation District, and I just renewed for another five-year term just, just a week ago. Um, so that, that really is important to me. Um, it also, you know, again, you always need that refresher. It just drives home the nature of the, the business and what we need to do uh, to make money because it is a business, you know. And um, because of the situation that I'm in, getting close to retirement, we've, we've been very conscious of making sure we had you know, our wills, you know, we, we, we created a revocable living trust for the farm and for our property so that, you know, should things happen down the road, you know, our, our children can get it without having to go through probate. We don't have those issues. So we've, we've done our living wills. We've done all that, that documentation. We set up, you know, the LLC for the, the business itself years ago to have those sort of things in place. We have our insurances in place um, that we need. We, we have regular meetings with our insurance agent to make sure we we're covered for any potential exposures or, or any issues that come up. But then at the same time, because of that gap with my daughter's ages and stuff, what happens if, if I decide to retire before they're of age to take over things? You know, how do we, how do we work through that? Um, and so that was one of the, one of the main things um, that it just helped me go through the different things and try and think it through what the future holds and how we want to handle it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, so one last question before we wrap up today, what piece of advice do you have for younger beginning farmers that are looking to start their own business? Well, I would say, you know, follow your passion, but, but keep in mind, you know, obviously the business aspects of it. You know, you, you, you can't have one without the other. Um, otherwise, you know, it is really just a hobby and you've got to have other work to be able to support, you know, what I jokingly call your farming habit, you know. So the, you know, there's, there's a lot of knowledge out there and some of it can be helpful for your particular situation and some of it's not. And so, um, you know, you have to balance out all that with the finances and then do your best to make it work. Um, you know, don't get discouraged, keep searching for answers. Um, you know, they're going to be, you know, like I said, my family said, don't do it. <laughs> you know, that was their, that was their advice. And you see how well I listened to them, you know? Um, so, it, uh, you know, but it, it is possible um, to do all these things and have a healthy, successful life and be happy. Um, and, you know, farming does, does get a bad rap sometimes that, that 
uh, people are, are struggling and everything else, but it is possible to do it and enjoy it and, and have fun with it. So. Definitely. Well, Keith, thank you for joining the podcast today and sharing some stories about your own operation. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the AgBiz cast. To learn more about the AgBiz Masters program, visit agbizmasters.com or check out our Facebook page. Tune in every two weeks to hear more stories from our graduates and partners. Thanks for listening.